welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Jay Calvert. And Dr. Millicent Ravello is with me today and has suggested the topic that already gives me chest pain. <laughs> How are you doing, Dr. Ravello? I'm doing pretty well. I apologize for giving you chest pain on a beautiful Friday afternoon, but this is an important topic and it is one that probably should give you chest pain. <laughs> Implant malposition. Oh, it just kills you when you see it. <laughs> oh, it's, and you know how hard it's going to be. To and you're like, oh gosh. It's not simple. It's There's not simple. There's nothing easy about implants that are in the wrong place. No. So what we're talking about are breast implants that have been placed yesterday, three months ago, 30 years ago. And when you see them, you know that they are in the wrong position. Although, I will say, sometimes the patients don't know that they're in the wrong position, which is always an interesting dynamic when you're like, "Um, so so what bothers you about the implants? They're like, I just want to be smaller. I'm like, oh, that's what bothers you? (laughs) Okay. It's true. Uh, A lot of times the patients do not know that they they have symastia, double bubble, you know, total bottoming out. Right. They don't right. have, you know, lateralization. I mean, I think when you lay down, if the implants roll into your armpits, not you great. should know that that's not right. That's not normal. They they should go a little bit out to the sides. That's fine. Yeah. But then but, they should stop. <laughs> yeah. There shouldn't be, you know, a, a 10 inch gap between the implants across right. your chest. Right. And a lot of times that is how it happens. The patients come to you for removal, replacement, a lift. Um, and not necessarily because the implants are in the wrong position, but then when you examine them, you obviously notice it and you're like, okay, this removal and replacement just got a lot more difficult. But sometimes the patients definitely notice it and they come to you and they're like, uh, we have a problem here. Yes. So it, it can go both ways for sure. So let's go over some of the situations that we encounter. First off, symmastia. Thank God it's pretty rare. Because yes. it is a problem. Semastia is when you have... This is really a problem. You can have it naturally, but that's very, very rare. This is a problem that happens after implants. And it's when the soft tissue over the sternum or the center of the chest has been violated. And now the implants touch in the midline. Not necessarily touch-touch. like It's not implant on implant. There's usually like at least some few layers of cells in between them, but it's not a much. You basically, guys, this is the uniboob. It's the yeah, uniboob. That's it, uniboob. Yeah. It's where the po- the pocket is basically across the sternum and, you know, the implants are, they're seemingly in the same pocket. Right. Although you're right, typically they're not like, Touching, like, touching, touching. Touching, touching. But, but they're, they're capsules. The, the thin layer of tissue around them is potentially touching. Right. Fixing it ain't easy. Fixing is not easy. Um, And so there are a lot of different steps involved in fixing it. Typically, you have to find a way to close off the pockets on either side, create a brand new pocket, and then what I like to do is put another piece of mesh or some kind of dermal matrix in between there as well. 
Um, and so what we're talking about is say you have the implants um, above the muscle in a subglandular position. We're going to take the implants out of the subglandular position, make a brand new pocket under the muscle or yes. vice versa. And that gives you the best chance of really preventing it from happening again. Because if you use the same pocket and you just try and close it off with some sutures, there's a high chance that it'll come back and blow through those sutures. So you got to obliterate the old pocket, make a brand new one. And then I usually put that little piece of mesh that we we talked about on that inside border to create another layer of, of, you know, preventing it from coming back. The tricky part, though, and tell me what you do with this. What do you do with that loose skin that has been raised up over the sternum? That's hard. I typically stitch it back down. Um, yeah. You know, it it's not easy and you do have to do something with it. Otherwise, it it, um, it just stays lifted. Stays lifted. Yeah. yeah. So I, I will catch the... Uh, capsular tissue i don't go to the dermis obviously right, right. and then try to stitch it down either to the the rib cartilages up against the sternum or to the sternum periosteum yeah. and try to you got to close it down you have it, to close not, it down otherwise good. it stays up and you still have the appearance of what looks like a uniboob and then afterwards what's super important is getting the right bra structure device and they they do make these contraptions the best word for them these um, straps that go down the center of the chest to again push the skin down onto the sternum and really block off that potential space yeah you got to put something there though or it's not going to stick and you're going to wind up doing this again doing it again so that's a whole like takedown revision like you're just rebuilding the whole breasts basically in that one how about uh double bubble Oh, that's one of my personal favorites. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there was like a time period last year when I was running a special on these. Like not my patients. I was not creating double bubbles, but I was getting them and I was doing a decent amount of correction. So I've kind of gotten to where I like these. Um, and a double bubble is when you have... So the natural breast has what's called, called an IMF, inframammary fold. And this is that distinct fold at the bottom of the breast that separates it from the abdominal wall. When you put an implant in, the implant is supposed to sit above that fold. Now, sometimes we do have to lower it for various reasons. But again, even if we lower it intentionally, the implant still sits above it. A double bubble happens when that inframammary fold is completely violated. When it's released. And it's released and it's not recreated and the implant slips out under it. So the double bubble comes from the old IMF, which still retains some of its memory, creating an indentation right across the bottom part of the implant. And then you see the implant hanging and below it. And the implant's it. hanging below it. And yeah, sometimes... That, so you see the breast... And, and then, then an implant. implant. And sometimes it's subtle. And the best way to tell, really, is having the patient raise their arms up over their head. And that's when you really see a difference between the two sides. Because on the one side, that's normal. And the patient raises her arms over her head. The implant goes up with the fold. And on the other side, the implant just hangs out. Mm. So, yes. The double bubble. The double bubble. And so typically that involves, for me, what I do, I go in, um, before I do the surgery, I mark where I want the new IMF to be. Usually it's, usually if they've had an incision in the IMF, it's where the incision is actually. Yeah. Um, and so you mark where that IMF is supposed to be and make it symmetric to the opposite side. Then I go in, I remove the whole capsule from the inferior aspect of the, the capsule so I have a nice sticky surface that I can use and then I take 
I take permanent sutures and I grab the old IMF and I tack it down to the periosteum or to the chest wall. And then frequently I'll lay another piece of mesh or dermal matrix on top of that to give it extra strength and support. And again, after the surgery, the strappings and the contraptions are just as important. I put them in a really good bra and then I do a shoelace bra on top of that, which is like oh, an extra. You do the shoelace? I love the shoelace. I mean, I it works. I keep thinking I need to design my own shoelaces that have my name on them because I use them so much. I love them. This is like my way to prevent ward off the evil that is a double bubble. Hmm. And it's basically a set of shoelaces that you wrap around your neck like a lasso and run it under the IMF. And and it's like a cast. I tell patients it's a cast for this IMF to really sock it in against the chest wall. I do like the laces also. I find those double bubbles, uh, you do need to use some sort of acellular dermal matrix. I think if you yeah. just do suture repairs, you'll be back. Yeah. You'll be doing it again. I've had one or two where I've been okay with just the sutures. But again, I use permanent sutures, which is yeah. not always advisable. Um, some people are like, oh, you use permanent sutures in the breast? I'm no, like, you I know do. what? I don't, I don't want to be back here. No, it, it's fine. Yeah. Um, I don't love Ethabond in the breast. I like proline better. Um, Ethabond is a braided permanent suture. But a lot of people use it. They I love use it. Ethabond. Yeah, they love yeah. it. They're I think it, it works great. There you go. Yeah. You heard it here from Dr. <laughs> Millicent Ravello. Um, yeah, I, I typically use proline. Um, probably cheese wires a little bit more. There's probably better reason to use use Ethabond, but typically I've, I do these with, um, with some sort of a cellular dermal matrix and then using uh, PDS to suture it in because by the time the PDS is gone, it's all it's socked incorporated. in anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's, that's what I use too. I use either the acellular dermal matrix or Alliderm or Stratus are the brand names of those um, or I'll use Galaflex, which I really like actually in these situations. I think the, derm- the acellular dermal matrices, the ADMs, um, they're made from cadaver skin or fetal bovine skin or something. Um, they can be a little stretchy, but I like the Galaflex because it really is kind of a firm structure that socks it in. But I think I think they both work fine because um, the goal is really just to get that fold to form and stick. And once you've gotten past the six-week mark, like things can dissolve and it doesn't matter. Like That's It's right. there. It's fine. It's stuck. It's not going anywhere. What do you do about those... Um very lateralized armpit implants. The armpit implants. We've all seen it. We've all seen it. Um, it's not good. It's not good. That one's kind <laughs> of a tricky one because once that capsule's been made and it's pushed its way out oh, to yeah. the armpits and to the sides, the lateral displacement, we call it, you really got to find a way to close off that lateral border. And frequently that involves, you know, cutting out a portion of that capsule, suturing it back together, plus minus putting a a dermal matrix there. Very rarely do I do that. I usually just put tons and tons of sutures. Yeah, suture repair. I don't use permanent here. This I'll just do several rows of absorbable sutures um, and then releasing medially, you know, more towards the sternum, not Semestia, but more towards the sternum to get the pocket towards the center of the chest. Um, and then getting, I think we've talked about this before, getting an implant that matches the chest wall. It's the key, isn't it? The yeah. right implant. A lot of these problems are created by using the wrong implant. I, I, I can tell you that you see some patients, you know, I, I do. I see patients come in 
and they just have the wrong device for the wrong situation. And, yeah. and had they picked something different, they probably wouldn't have had that problem. But, you know, there's... Picking, well, the right, think, picking the right device is key. We've done a podcast about that. Picking is, is key. And I think part of the issue is especially someone that may be taller or larger or has a broader chest, they just need a larger implant. And I think a lot of times patients themselves have a hard time wrapping their mind around it when you tell them, well, you need like a 500cc implant. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's huge. And well, it's so, not, on, not huge on you. But not on you. And, and right. so someone tried to accommodate or be conservative or they said, I want a natural look. So they went with like a 350. And in that patient, it's just not wide enough for them. No. It doesn't fit them. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a big reason that a lot of these issues do come up. Simmastia, I think, is just over-release. You know, you just went too far medial. And- you went too far. And it can happen below the muscle. It can happen above the muscle. Certainly, um, just over-release of the dissection. Because someone was, was trying to give cleavage and get them close together. And you got to applaud them for trying. But they went a little far. <laughs> if you, and, and it happens. It's not, you know... Yeah. It's uh, it's unfortunate when it does, and uh, that's why you know we're happy to see those people and fix them up. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I I do love these cases. I love revision breast cases. I mean, they are certainly a challenge, but I enjoy them. And the key really is um, number one: expect to put a lot of work into the post-op care as well. This is not like your first surgery. Like we said, there's contraptions, there are devices, there's all kinds of things that we got to do to make sure in the healing period keeps these implants where we put them. Um, and second of all, it ain't cheap. It is no, not cheap because no, right. I think as we've sort of, you know, discussed just now, there's a lot of work that goes into it. So in addition to the work that the surgeon's putting in, that's extra time in the OR, extra time you're paying for an anesthesiologist. There are much larger cases than your original, you know, to our breast implant, popped them in, you were done. Yay. High five. Everyone's happy. Now we're talking a much longer much more expensive, much more of an involved recovery. Yeah. I mean, that that's a big consideration because, you know, people get their implants in. I mean, I I know that even in Beverly Hills, you can probably get implants put in for, you know, 10,000 bucks or whatever. But these, uh, and this, this probably doesn't apply to other parts of the country where it's $6,000 or $7,000 for breast implants. But around Beverly Hills, you know, uh, average breast augmentation is probably eleven, twelve thousand dollars Yeah, it sounds think? about right. And then yeah. doing these redos, for me, I think the typical price tag is around double that. I would agree. I mean, if I'm doing... Especially if you need ADM. If you need... So the ADM, the acellular dermal matrix, is expensive. We're talking several thousand dollars Three there grand. on just ADM. That's another reason I like the Galaflex. Um, that's 1500 for two sides. Um, so it's definitely more cost efficient, but yeah, you're paying for mesh, you're paying for new implants for a lot of OR and anesthesia time, surgeon's fee. And so I have pretty on the lower end prices, I think in this area and my revisions in these cases are easily 15, 18, $20,000. And yeah. that's on the cheaper spectrum, you know, of, of these revision cases. Well, you're just. You know, you're kind that way. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know why my prices are what they are, but it's just, I guess yes. I've been doing this for it's a while. It's the gray hair factor. The gray hair tax. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe the experience tax, too. But, you know, it's, you're, you're, if you look and see, though, to so there, like, I've done tons of these, but the fact that you do them all the time puts your experience factor up very, very rapidly. True. I mean, you do some wicked 
revision cases. I do. I, I, I put them back together and I love They're doing evil. them. They're just awful. <laughs> but I like doing them. So I want patients to book. So I'm like, ah. Yeah. And I cringe when I see them. And I go, ooh. That's good. You're doing that. That looks hard. I'm glad we have, glad we have Dr. Ravello around. Send that to her. She should do that. Um, yeah. Those revision cases are a big deal. Yeah. See, that's what you should write about. You should kind of go through your revision. I, I was saying to Dr. Ravello, for all the listeners out there, that she has such a vast experience in these very complex body cases that she ought to publish her tricks and nuances and, and her point of view on how she gets these big bad cases done and she gets them under control. So that that's your move. There's <laughs> something in there for you. We're going to find it. I know. We're going to find what that is, what that paper is. It's hard. I mean, I mean, I know when you sit there thinking about it, like I could publish oodles of, you know, publications about rhinoplasty, but like in the end, like I I want something that's going to really help, help my colleagues. Right. Like what do people actually want to learn about and read? Yeah. You know, I mean, like what's going to stop you when you're flipping through that journal being like, Oh, let me stop and read this one. What does this person say? Yeah. And I think for you, that's where I, I, you know, the amount of experience that you've had in a, in, in a relatively short time, although not short time, you've been doing this a while now is pretty dramatic. Like there's not a lot of people that get that kind of experience out of the gates. Yeah. I've been fortunate for sure. Yeah. And you're the savior of the difficult cases of, uh, (laughs) (laughs) of the greater Los Angeles area because of it. That might be true. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) Well, Anything else about implant malposition? No, I think we covered the basics of it. Symastia, double Sim-mastia. bubble, and lateralized breasts. And those are really the only three ways they can go. And it's just <laughs> and, and not good when well, you see Well, I guess it. that's not true. I guess we could talk about superior malposition much more uncommon. This is when the breast implant is sitting higher when than it, it rides should. Up. When it rides high. There's usually only two reasons for this. Number one, you actually have capsular contracture which is a whole different ball game. See that podcast for details. Um, or <laughs> exactly. you just, you are in a submuscular position and the uh, inferior border of the pectoralis has not been completely released. Right. And that's a fairly easy-ish fix depending on your skin quality um, and how tight your skin is. But um, that would be the only other reason that the implant might sit too high. It's true. I very rarely see that. That's pretty It's pretty uncommon. rare. Yeah. yeah. Usually you see them bottom down, bottoming out, and lateral, yeah. and kissing in the middle. Not good. Yeah. Mm. Simastia is hard. That one's a that's a tough one. It is. It is hard. Yeah. I mean, uh, my good buddy uh, Terry Dubrow says he's, you know, because he's on botched all the time. He has he's done literally several lifetimes of these. Yeah. You know, and, and really says that they're tough. Yeah. But he's he's you know. Try to do it enough times, you get a get a system down. Which we when all the botched have. guy says it's tough, <laughs> it's pretty tough. You know it's tough. Yeah. Well, all right. So that's our implant malposition podcast for you all. Uh, hopefully that doesn't come your way if you have breast implants. If it does, we're right here for you. You know where to find us. This is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the nine hundred two one zero. Thanks for listening to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. If you want to reach Dr. Ravello or myself, we're available for consultations. We can also be reached through the websites. Dr. Ravello, what's your website? My website is rovelloplasticsurgery.com. 
And the phone number to reach us here in the office is 310-954-1355. And I do want to mention Rock Spa, which is the sponsor, truly the financial backer of this podcast. And Rock Spa is the Medi Spa that's located both in Newport Beach and Beverly Hills, providing Botox, fillers, lasers, microneedling, esthetician services like hydrofacials. We have incredible people. They do great stuff. And I highly recommend taking a look at the websites, rockspanewportbeach.com or rockspabeverlyhills.com. All the information is also on my website, drcalvert.com.